Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for February 5th, 2018. On today's show, we're going to dive into our reactions for the trailers that premiered during the 2018 Super Bowl. They include Solo, A Star Wars Story, Westworld Season 2, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, Avengers Infinity War, Mission Impossible Fallout, and The Cloverfield Paradox. Uh, we'll give you our reactions and observations on things you might have missed in those first viewings. And uh, we'll talk about the early reactions to the latest Cloverfield film and uh, the game-changing, uh, pun intended, release strategy. Uh, joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film senior writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And Slash Film weekend editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And I am Peter Serretta, as always. Um, so, guys, Super Bowl weekend happened. Uh, what were you up to during the Super Bowl? Brad, how about you? Oh, I was sleeping on and off because I started getting sick late Friday night. And it was awful because I had sinus pressure and congestion and my head felt like it was swimming for like three and a half days straight. So I was supposed to be helping cover the Super Bowl, but I was just overwhelmed because of my congested head. And thankfully, uh, Ben Pearson was able to step up to the plate and lead the team in covering the insane amount of uh, Super Bowl spots that popped up. So, so in in that kind of situation, Brad, do you do you DVR the Super Bowl and like fast forward through it, or do you not care about sports? Do you just watch the trailers online after? Yeah, I watched the trailers on my uh, because by the time when I had woken up, it was right around uh, just before halftime, and I so I caught up and saw what was happening. So all of a sudden, I saw all the Cloverfield stuff and watched the spots that had been released so far. And by then, most of them had already come out. Um, and then I was up for a bit talking to you guys uh, online and figuring some stuff out for the next day. And then, uh, yeah, I don't really care about the game too much, so I, I was fine just watching all the the commercials online and whatnot. Now, Ben, on the other side of things, you are a football fan, but not an NFL uh, fan. 
Right. Yeah. I, uh, I follow my college team, which is the Florida Gators. Um, I care about the NFL uh, in as much as I want to see Tom Brady lose all the time. So <laughs> last night was pretty great in that regard because the Patriots lost the Super Bowl. The Eagles won. Uh, so that was pretty awesome. I mean, the trailers, the sheer number of, of trailers and videos and, you know, Inter, you know, uh, I guess movie related stories that came out of the Super Bowl last night was really nuts. So I didn't actually get to watch much of the game, but I had it on and I actually had a I had already invited a friend to come over and watch the game. So I was just like sitting there on the couch, really looking at my computer the whole time instead of actually watching the game with him. Um, but he and my wife seemed to have a good time watching the game. And uh, and like Brad said, most of the stuff was done, you know, by the first half or, or thereabouts. So I was able to watch, uh, you know, the, the last few minutes and uh, and, you know, seeing Tom Brady almost break down in tears almost made the whole thing worth it. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for helping us cover the trailers on the site. Um, I, uh, you might have noticed on the Slash Film Twitter and Facebook feed, we were having some problems with uh, how things were posting. You might have seen Ben or HT or Brad's face in your face instead of the, the image on the article. Um, we were having some server problems. So I, I spent the weekend kind of working uh, through those, uh, and uh, we have moved to a new uh, server, to an Amazon Cloud server. We are now in the cloud. And um, things are running much better. But I was up until 5 a.m. this morning uh, trying to get that to work. And um, and I don't care much about sports. So I was just watching the, the trailers uh, when they hit online. And I, I am from New England, and I don't care. And I, I hate <laughs> Tom Brady a lot. So, um, so yeah. So th there you go. So um, let's talk about the trailers that premiered during the Super Bowl. Uh, the Solo, a Star Wars story, uh, had a TV spot, but you know the trailer premiered the next day on Good Morning America because of uh, synergy, of course. And um, in this trailer, we actually finally get to meet uh, Han Solo as a young man. Uh, so I, I guess let's start with uh, you, Brad. What, what what is your reaction to this trailer? Uh, you know, I like the aesthetic of it. Uh, it's a very pretty trailer. Um, all the, the, the landscapes look stunning. The production design looks incredible. Uh, and I, I kind of like the vibe that it gives off. Um, I'm not entirely sold on Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo yet. There's, there's really only one scene where I felt like, okay, yeah, that feels like Han Solo. Um, and it's after they evade the TIE fighters and he's like, he's like, you know, I thought we were in trouble there for a minute, but you know, we're fine. We're fine. Um, <laughs> uh, that felt like a, a good Han Solo moment, but otherwise I, I'm not sure if he captures, you know, that cocky charm that Harrison Ford had and, you know, and it's a hard thing to nail. So like, I don't expect anybody to get it perfectly, but I think I need to see a little bit more and it's a little bit worrisome that for a movie that is, you know, about Han Solo, we don't really get much Han Solo in this movie. The focus is on the action and introducing the other characters and showing the Millennium Falcon flying around. Um, but I, I like what I see is when it comes to the action. There's some cool stuff here. There's some interesting uh, looking new characters. Uh, if, the, if anything, I, I think it's already clear that Donald Glover is probably going to steal this movie as Lando Calrissian. He looks like a total badass and I feel like he's going to be fantastic in this movie. Um, so I'm I'm cautiously optimistic still, 
Uh, I hope that they can make this an interesting movie, even though uh, Han Solo is the last character I think needs an origin story. But, you know, hoping for the best. You, you know, when uh, when Ron Howard replaced Lord Miller on this project, you know, there was a lot of um, disappointment from fans and a lot of, um, I think, criticism of Ron Howard as a journeyman, kind of like a generic journeyman director. And uh, I think what surprised me most about this trailer is how uh, much style and grit and uh, it didn't feel like another Ron Howard movie. Um, not to say I don't like Ron Howard movies because I like Ron Howard movies. Um, but, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Lando is going to steal the show. They may as well just green light Lando, a Star Wars story now with Donald Glover. He looks fantastic in the role. I, I, I agree that the, we, we don't get much of, uh, Han Solo and I think that's for good reason. But, um, I, um, I, you know, I, I love that shot of seeing the interior of the Millennium Falcon, all you know shiny and new and for for whatever reason i was not expecting that i was just expecting it to look like you know a slightly newer version of the millennium falcon Um, but at the same time like i'm i'm kind of interested to see if there's any real i don't know explanation as for the kind of shit that the falcon has been through because it looks pretty dirty uh when we see it in you know a new hope so like this movie is supposed to take place somewhere between five and ten years before then so are Han and Chewie just really bad at keeping the Falcon clean, or because <laughs> it's I mean it, it's a pretty I, I, I think change from being I, white to all of a sudden being dirty beige. Hey, I think they're getting themselves into a lot of uh, jobs that require you know um, require that kind of um, hands on you know do, doesn't matter if this you know gets dirty kind of uh, uh, approach, but. Um, I don't know. I like. I, I love the droids we're seeing. I love the aliens we're seeing. The world looks cool. Uh, the the whole vibe of it. I, I I was I was loving. Ben, what are your thoughts? Yes, I'm. I mean, you guys really sort of hit all the major points there, and I I agree with everything you've said thus far. I think for me, the big thing is the the visual aesthetic of the movie. I mean, it, it, like you said, Peter, it really does not feel like a traditional sort of. Um, stayed Ron Howard movie, Ron Howard movie, if you will. But I think there's like a kineticism to the visuals that we see that makes me actually pretty excited to see this. You know, the whole concept of this movie existing has never really gotten me uh, <laughs> intrigued with the the movie. But seeing this footage and seeing especially Donald Glover makes me really interested to actually watch it now. And I think the um, thing you mentioned about the interior of the Millennium Falcon being all clean, that whole aesthetic seemed to permeate this whole like everything we've seen in this trailer it looks like the entire star wars universe looks a little cleaner and a little smoother and a little crisper than it does in the sort of uh, lived in feel that we get when a new hope rolls around so i'm wondering if this you know has any sort of indication of what happened you know to the universe at large that uh dirtied it up a little Mm -hmm. bit in the years that take place in between yeah, I kind of wonder what this 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 mission that he's going on with uh, Woody Harrelson's character um, is, and I wonder if it's going to you know tie into the grander scale of what we know about the Star Wars universe. Uh, 
Brad, you did a trailer breakdown for the site, which is wonderful and filled with all sorts of details that I did not notice in my first viewing. So, uh, you know, I know we want people to go to the site and check that out and learn some of that stuff. But uh, why don't you give us some some tidbits? What is some of the more interesting things that you noticed going frame by frame that, uh, you know, people watching this spot on TV probably did not uh, so one cool thing is that uh, for those of you who have seen uh, The Last Jedi, you know that the golden dice that uh, have been hanging on the Millennium Falcon's quote-unquote rearview mirror, if you will, um, since the the first Star Wars movie were, uh, had a little prominent uh, feature in that movie. We won't say any more than that. Um, and if you blinked, you might have missed them. Uh, they're hanging on the windshield of the speeder that Han Solo and Amelia Clark's character Kira are driving around in as they're getting chased by an Imperial soldier on another speeder. Uh, so that was cool. It shows that Han has had those golden dice for a while. They're uh, um, certainly a, a memento of his that he's been, been holding on to. And yeah, so that, that was a nice little detail. Um, something else is the uh, apparent villain or at least one of the apparent villains in this movie which uh i i don't want to say for sure that he's a bounty hunter but it seems like it's a bounty hunter uh who's part of a group of bounty hunters it's um we see a few shots of him in both the super bowl spot and the trailer uh if you look at the close-up of him when you see the detail on his helmet it has the star wars language or a besh on it and it's kind of difficult to make out what it says. Some fans have started to dig into it, and it appears that maybe some of the letters are Orabesh, but maybe this might be uh, a different version of it, maybe a little bit more ancient or something like that. And it also appears that the image presented in the trailer might be flipped because some of the letters in Orabesh appeared to be backwards. So as far as I know, I don't think anyone has uh, cracked what the, it says on his helmet or anything like that yet. Um, but it kind of reminds me of the situation where when we saw the the Funko Pop of Benicio Del Toro's character, DJ from The Last Jedi. Everyone was trying to figure out what the Orabesh on his uh, hat said, which revealed a, a little tiny detail about his character. Yeah. Wait, which said, don't join, which uh, right. gives him his name, DJ. It does. Um, yeah, the, and there's a lot more in here. You can learn the possible names of the new droid and alien and some of the characters. And There's uh, a great shot of Donald Glover in the background of a scene in the Millennium Falcon cockpit where he looks shocked as hell, and it's hilarious. Yeah, he's going to steal this movie from every corner of that screen um, with all the screen time that they give him. Um, okay, let's move on to Westworld Season 2. HBO premiered the tra- a trailer for that. There was a trailer at Comic-Con previously. But this kind of, um, you know, I think that only had like a couple weeks of shooting at that point. So this gives us a much bigger, grander look at the, the second season. Um, ben, what did you think? Yeah, I liked it. It's not nearly as uh, extensive as the solo trailer, so we don't have to talk about it for that long. But um, but yeah, there are a lot of really cool shots in here. I mean, the the Western vistas and stuff look just as gorgeous as ever. Um, there's some cool uh, imagery with uh, Bernard sort of leading a team of security employees to the edge of uh, a cliffside that overlooks a beach, and there's a bunch of corpses there. And if you saw the season one finale, you probably understand 
what that means based on what happened at the end there. I'm trying not to spoil too much for people who maybe haven't seen all of Westworld yet. Um, there is a, uh, a familiar character that looks like he's being tortured. Uh, and we know that he has a bunch of um, data that was implanted into him. So it seems like maybe this torture is an attempt to reclaim the information that was put into him at the end of the first season. Um, and yeah, there are, there are a few other uh, notable things worth pointing out that we wrote up in a, a season two a trailer breakdown that you can find on the site. Um, one thing I did want to mention that you guys might not know is that the Hollywood Reporter says that some of the footage that we see in this TV spot will not actually appear in the new season because it was shot specifically for this tv spot um my guess for what that would be is the scene where uh tandy newton's character mave is walking through the like the delos westworld offices and um there are a bunch of charging bulls in there with her and they're like uh, it's all in slow motion and the bulls are going after security guys who are trying to shoot the bulls and they're like robot android bulls um and it's really cool and it looks awesome but it doesn't really make a ton of sense it, it sort of strikes me as being a little bit too slick for westworld and i think those offices were at least partially destroyed at the end of the first season if i remember right so um so i don't really think that is actually going to happen in the second season but it did make me wonder if uh, the robot uprising that's going to happen in season two, if the hosts, the the robot android characters, are, if they're actually going to be able to control the robotic animals that uh, are, you know, populate the park. I wonder if, if there's going to be if, if this uh, footage that was specifically shot for this teaser maybe teases that aspect that actually will come to pass in season two. That's interesting. Um, that that would be disappointing because I think the most striking imagery in the trailer is that uh, Maeve uh, leading the charge with the the robotic uh, are they bulls bulls I think so yeah yeah um, like uh, I don't know when when I read that Hollywood Reporter line I I assumed it was probably Evan Rachel Wood you know kind of breaking the fourth wall and saying. Um, at the end of the trailer. Um, oh, right. Yeah. I, I, she says I thought something it would... about like reclaiming, you know, their world or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it looks cool. Uh, you know, people who have seen the first season probably have a lot of questions about w- what isn't shown in this trailer and uh, if they are going to show it in the second season. Um, I know I have those questions. Uh, Brad, what are your thoughts on the Westworld season two trailer? Yeah, I did. Uh... I like that slow motion footage in the the offices of Dallas Incorporated. I I hope that that's not what ends up getting cut because it's just it's a really it would be a really cool way to, I think, open up the first episode, um, of season two. Um, but I you know I could I would understand I guess why it would be cut since it is a little bit more stylized for you know creating, sort of a, a feeling of awe more than anything. Um, I. If they do include it, I think there's plenty of footage from that that opening that maybe we wouldn't see in season two because some of that footage was like Maeve's memories from the storyline involving her daughter and just kind of like landscape shots because it seemed like they initially they were setting up the trailer to make it seem like it was just another Super Bowl commercial like for tourism or something like that mm-hmm. before it actually got into the, the Westworld side of things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting enough tease, not enough really to sink our teeth into as far as finding any threads to connect to what the story will be other than, uh, you know, the, the main idea of 
Westworld kind of being in chaos. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I love the first season. I, I just can't wait to see where the show goes. I love the piano version of the Kanye West uh, song, and it is interesting to note that this trailer. I mean, the first season of Westworld, I think you saw stories from two different point of views, the point of view of these robots and the point of view of the humans. And uh, this trailer seems to be clearly just from the point of view of these, uh, these robots, uh, which mm-hmm. is interesting. I'm wondering if, if we're not going to get that human point of view in, in this upcoming season or not. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, let's move on to Avengers Infinity War. There was a surprise uh, Super Bowl TV spot. Um, it gives us a couple new looks. For me, it didn't show uh, too much more than what we've seen before from the Comic-Con footage in the first trailer, the first teaser trailer. But uh, it does include a lot more Guardians, which I think was lacking from that uh, the official trailer. Uh, Brad, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's definitely a lot shorter. I mean, it, you know, it's, we're only looking at like a 30-second spot here, so it doesn't show nearly as much as uh, the the first teaser trailer did, but it still includes a, a, a decent amount of new footage that we hadn't seen before. We, we get to see uh, Iron Man and Doctor Strange and Spider-Man standing side by side, uh, Some clearly in some technological area that might be in space, maybe dealing with Thanos' portal. Uh, we get a little extra stuff with Vision and Scarlet Witch, plenty of new Guardian stuff, like you said. Um, I, I like this spot a lot. I, I don't necessarily know if I liked it more than the original teaser trailer because I kind of like the the menacing vibe it has with Thanos's voiceover um, that follows the uh, voiceover from all the Avengers saying Nick Fury's speech about the idea of the Avengers initiative in general. Um, but I, I do like the, the little extra tidbits that it, it shows um, as far as setting the story and little things that we're going to see as the uh, the evolution of the Avengers and the various tools that they have at their disposal. Ben, what are your thoughts? Uh, one thing I didn't notice in that first trailer was that Captain America, who is like all full of swagger in this uh, this TV spot, which is pretty awesome. Uh, he had what appeared to be like gauntlets on both of his arms. And we see in this um, Super Bowl spot that it's actually like a Wakandan shield made out of, you know, from Wakandan technology. Um, and it it there's like a really cool shot that sort of highlights that and puts that front and center in this, uh, in this trailer. So there's a, yeah, really cool shot of cap and, um, and black widow and vision who appears to be injured by the way, uh, walking through a hallway. And then the whole thing with, um, Spider-Man being, uh, like launched into space, you know, on, on top of, uh, or, uh, you know, stuck onto the side of what appears to be Thanos's portal um, is uh, is very compelling. I mean, I love Tom Holland Spider Man, and we know that some characters are probably not going to make it out of Infinity War alive. Um, it seems like Tom Holland Spider Man is probably going to be one of those characters that does survive because that would be pretty insane if they uh, they introduced a character in the MCU and then immediately killed him off. But um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed this uh, this trailer a lot. I don't have any additional thoughts, but HT put together this wonderful breakdown that spo- spotlights some of the new details from the Super Bowl spot. Uh, Brad, tell us about uh, something that people might have missed. Uh, yeah, so there's a cool shot of uh, Tony Stark briefly getting armored up for uh, some kind of impending fight, uh, a, a danger lurking off camera. And you'll notice that it's not necessarily uh, pieces of armor that are flying towards him and covering him up, but rather it looks like he's finally built uh, a nanotech armor that is uh, 
coming out of his sunglasses and pouring over his body, uh, which is his famous prime armor. It's the most sophisticated uh, suit that he's built yet, which he's definitely going to need because Thanos is going to kick his ass. (laughs) For sure. Uh, Let's move on to uh, our next last uh, trailer, and that is for Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, The title was revealed last week. This is the latest in the Tom Cruise uh, starring Mission Impossible series. Um, I am a fan of that series. I love J.J. Abrams' film. I love Brad Bird's film. Chris McQuarrie's film was was good. It, It didn't feel as much like a Mission Impossible film as the others to me. And this film feels more in line with a, a Chris McQuarrie film. It feels more kind of um, grounded, action-packed, like, like uh, glamour shots of them, like, you know, in a boat going underneath the tunnels. Like, it, um, I think I, I go to these Mission Impossible films because I want to see Tom Cruise on, you know, the side of the world's largest building. And uh, to me, like, I was a little disappointed by this, as much as I'm still excited to see this film. Uh, but I'm sure you guys are much more excited about this trailer than I am. So, uh, Ben, what are your thoughts? Peter, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, man. This was one of the best trailers of the night, and as far as I'm concerned. I loved it. The The action looks so good. Um, just the structure of it, the way that uh, they basically saved all of Tom Cruise's most insane stunts for like a tiny, you know, four or five shot montage at the very end of the trailer. I love that. Um, the whole setup about... Uh, you know, this is your mission. Should you choose to accept it? And the the villain, you know, speaking with Ethan Hunt and um, asking him if he ever didn't choose to accept it, and basically putting the consequences of of everything that's going to happen specifically on Ethan's shoulders. Um, I mean, th- I, I I could not ask for a better trailer. I, I really loved this. Listen, listen. I, I I don't think it looks bad. I just don't think it looks like a Mission Impossible movie to me. But oh, man. um, but I don't I, know what. I don't know why you think this doesn't look like a Mission Impossible movie. There there are so many awesome Tom Cruise stunts in here. And the Mission Impossible movies have always had glamour but it, shots. It, but it seems of, kind of more like um, hand-to-hand combat. And it, it seems more uh, – I want tense. I want tension. I want uh, these big bombastic I, – I know we get that like brief montage. I, want to, I wanted to see more of that, I guess. And I guess I, – I know this is the first teaser, so maybe it, it's just teasing me. Yeah, I uh, think, I, I think it, it's going to have everything you want it to and more. It, it, it looks great. Um, I don't think there's anything that makes it look like it's not a Mission Impossible movie whatsoever. And I, I love the, the new cast members. I love the fact that they brought back Rebecca Ferguson. Um, and, and I like the idea that they're you know making – that Ethan isn't just this – hero going from movie to movie like now he's starting to have to answer for the things that he's done and take into consideration of you know whether the the missions he completes actually have you know the positive impact that he wants them to like are, are is what he does necessary oh yeah it's becoming more serialized i do appreciate that um we do have a whole trailer breakdown on the site which you can read uh one, one shot i want to highlight is the shot of Tom Cruise jumping from building to building 
And I know we saw this last week. We posted on the site. Uh, a, he was on the Graham Norton show with some of the cast, uh, his supporting cast. And uh, they played that clip in three different angles and in slow motion. And that is actually the shot, as far as we I, I know, that uh, Tom Cruise actually broke his ankle. And on Graham Norton, you actually see it in slow motion as his ankle goes in a direction that should not be possible. And um, it, it, it's interesting that they're highlighting that shot in part of, in the marketing campaign for the film that's uh, probably like a badge of honor for tom cruise like he's like i broke my ankle you guys damn well better put this in the trailer <laughs> yeah no, and i'm not sure if any if either of you have seen that graham norton clip but you should go check it out i think we posted on the site and uh at the end of the clip it shows he breaks his ankle and it like if you've ever broken a bone you know how painful that can be and at the like the shot was that he he lands in the building he doesn't quite uh, get there he he he's was always supposed to miss and he's hanging on and then he pulls himself up and makes a run after uh henry's character and uh i guess uh when he was filming and he broke his ankle he still you know went you know he didn't like he could have just been like guys cut you know i broke my ankle but yeah. he still gets up on his feet like limping running after henry and uh you know he said on the graham norton show that like he just didn't want to do the take again and he knew it was over wow. <laughs> so uh he's he is he is the man and next up is jurassic world fallen kingdom uh we had already gotten a teaser trailer to this and the super bowl spot uh really got me pumped um, but before you get to my reaction, uh, I want, I want to hear what you think, Ben. Uh, I also am very excited about this after being pretty lukewarm on the first trailer, um, which was mostly, you know, took place on the Island. Um, this one is way more into the, uh, like how scary this movie is going to be, which is something that we sort of expected when, uh, J.A. Bayona of the orphanage fame came on to direct. And the, I mean, the trailer really sets the tone from the very beginning. There's like a, a scene where a dinosaur comes into this little girl's room and basically like terrorizes her. It's unclear whether that's actually a dream sequence or whether that's, you know, something that is actually going to happen within the reality of this movie. Um, but either way, it's very moody and stylistic and, and not the um, sort of bland action that some people have uh, criticized uh, Jurassic World for being. Um, and I think there's a lot of cool stuff in here that we've seen before, you know, from the the early trailer that, you know, with the gyroscope escape and all of that, we see a couple different angles there. But then most of this stuff um, is is new. It's like it takes place in this big mansion um, that I think we've seen in some of the early photos. And one of the young uh, girl characters who I think is played by Mackenzie Foy, I might be wrong about that, um, is is like in this this huge mansion and there's dinosaurs roaming around in there so it seems like this is going to be a uh, a lost world scenario where the dinosaurs leave the island and return to the mainland in some capacity so um yeah, yeah. just the uh, the the scariness uh, that factor really um increased this in my estimation yeah in the first trailer colin trevorrow said that was from the all footage from the first half of the movie i i assume that the stuff in the house um the more scary bits are from the second half of the movie which uh it seems like it's going to get i know we've speculated about this in the on past podcasts but it seems like you know the first half of this movie is a disaster film and the second half of this movie is going to be kind of like this smaller tense uh horror thriller which I think is just uh, insanely cool. There's just 
so many awesome shots in this trailer. There's that shot that opens the film or op- opens the spot, which you mentioned. There's a shot of Chris Pratt uh, in a container with the T-Rex. And the T-Rex is, uh, I'm not sure if he's tranked or, or, or what, but, uh, you know, he he's, uh, looks a little groggy. Um, it, uh, I don't know. There, there's the shots we've seen before with the gyrosphere escape. Um, I don't know. It looks insane. I, I was a fan of the first film. I know a lot of uh, film Twitter and uh, film geeks love to hate on it. But th- this looks like a lot of fun, and it looks like what I want from uh, th- th- to see this series evolve. This is where I want to see this kind of head. Uh, but it also makes me wonder, like, what do they have planned for the third in the series? If if you're going to like this mansion with dinosaurs, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like, how do you get go further? You know, that seems like you're getting so small that that there isn't uh, another uh, chapter. Brad, what are your thoughts on this trailer? Yeah, I definitely like this uh, Super Bowl spot more than the first trailer. The first trailer felt kind of uh, cheesy, and the action was whatever. Um, but I, I like a lot of the stuff that I see in this. Uh, it's cool to see the what appears to be the the new dinosaur, the Indoraptor, in action. It seems like they might have finally gotten a new dinosaur that is might compare as far as terror is concerned uh, to the T Rex from the first movie. Um, I don't think anything will ever beat the shock and awe that we all felt when we were in theater seeing that the T-Rex for the first time. But it looks uh, the speed with which he moves and the ferocity that the dinosaur seems to have uh, looks like it could be something uh, to be reckoned with in this movie. But yeah, there's there's just a lot of cool shots in this uh, trailer. I'm still not sold on the the haunting variation on the Jurassic Park theme. Uh, seems really kind of forced to me and like a weird way to repurpose uh, what was such a grand piece of orchestral music from John Williams' uh, original score, but you know maybe that's just me. Um, and one last thing I wanted to mention, I I kind of love that you know in the beginning of the trailer they 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 still have a sense of wonder, you know, like it's it just it, like I, that's one of the things I uh, missed I think from Steven Spielberg's uh, Jurassic sequels or, or sequel um, is like you know when they first arrived to the, the island in that first film, it, it was just such a, like seeing those dinosaurs in, you know, seeing those characters, see the dinosaurs, it was just like a wonderful moment. And I'm, I'm glad it seems like they have a moment like that in here. And, you know, I think with screenwriting and storytelling, you often want to get, you know, fast forward to the drama. But I think, Sometimes films miss out on like those kind of moments like, you know, I want to see Superman saving the day and have a montage of Superman doing cool things. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I know that doesn't forward the plot of the movie much, but uh, that that's something I think that's missing from a lot of films these days. And I'm glad mm-hmm. uh, they, they took a moment to have a moment of wonder here. Um, but yes, so uh, you can go and uh, HT has a... Uh, breakdown of the trailer and uh, points out some stuff that you might have not noticed. Uh, ben, what is your favorite thing from HT's piece? Um, I think just the the idea that this trailer focuses a little bit more on the human element. Um, the character, some characters that we haven't really seen in previous uh, marketing. Rafe Spall's character, um, he plays a, a corporate hack named Eli Mills, um, and then Toby Jones, uh, who we, we assume is going to be playing a villain because it's Toby Jones, and that's basically what he does. Um, so there's like some interesting stuff in there about uh, you know is this possibly the equivalent of like weapons escalation? Are they you know going to be like militarizing? 
the dinosaurs what what is um what is the end game here and ht sort of um speculates a little bit about that so check that out in her full piece okay so now for our final trailer and this is the most surprising and probably the most talked about one coming out of the super bowl i think and that is for the cloverfield paradox the third film in the cloverfield franchise which uh was supposed to come out from paramount um a you know, I think they've had four release dates now, but uh, is now coming out from Netflix. It was announced during the Super Bowl that it would be on Netflix immediately following the Super Bowl, which is a you know a game changer of a, of a move. Like we've never seen you know a movie trailer announcement announce the movie and it be online that night. Um, so uh, I, I guess. Uh, Let's let's talk before we talk about the trailer, the movie. Uh, let, let's talk about that for a second, guys. Um, do you do you think think that this kind of surprise marketing could be the future of movies? Brad, you want to take this one? <laughs> no pressure or anything. No, um, I feel like this strategy can only work for certain kinds of movies. Um, we talked about this about this a little bit, uh, you know, after it happened and the dust had kind of settled. Um, I don't think Netflix could have done this with any of their other prospective, quote unquote, blockbuster movies. Like if they would have done this with Bright, uh, it wouldn't have made anywhere near as big of a splash. But because Cloverfield has kind of become synonymous with surprising audiences, you know, from from when the first trailer appeared in front of the first Transformers movie back in 2007 without warning. Uh, to when you know the the second trailer appeared with only two months between the trailer debut and I think it was two months anyway it was a very short window between when the first trailer popped up and when the movie actually hit theaters you know to now we're talking about a window of a few hours to when the first trailer pops up to be like hey here's a, a new Cloverfield movie for you and I feel like you could maybe do this with some of the major franchises like you, you know if you all of a sudden dropped you know a Marvel movie on Netflix or if you uh, suddenly you know, pushed a Star Wars movie out there. It would have to be a big name franchise for it to actually make an impact. But if it's just some random movie that people don't necessarily know they should be excited about or doesn't have, you know, uh, a reputation to go along with, I don't think it could work. But I I am impressed by this simply because there was a time back when uh, the Harry Potter books were still being rolled out. I thought that it would be so cool if all of a sudden one day, like people were anticipating that Harry Potter, the next Harry Potter book was coming out, you know, like a year or two away. And then all of a sudden it was just on shelves and like ever, like it, it spread viral. Everyone's like, holy crap, the new Harry Potter book is out, blah, blah, blah. And that's, this is kind of as close as we, we get to do it now because we have the, you know, the means to have a movie come out this quickly and get spread fast because of social media and the ability to stream it immediately. But if this were, you know, a theatrical release, you couldn't do it because someone would find out it would get leaked beforehand. And, you know, so it's I think it's cool, but I don't necessarily think that it will make as big of a wave as some people think. Yeah, I know. I remember speculating last year at Sundance that it would have been cool if, like, you know, Netflix was on a buying spree at Sundance. It would have been cool if they bought a film at Sundance in in the buzz of, you know, that film having such high buzz online, being like, we're putting it online tonight. Like, that Mm -hmm. would have been cool. But I've since talked to some producers, and I I guess that's not uh, really a possibility um, because there's so many legal uh, uh, loose ends and stuff. But um, 
I'm going to say, uh, to answer my own question, I, I don't think we're going to see much of this in the future. This isn't the future of movies um, because movies, especially when you spend a higher budget on things and you want a higher return, um, it, it's been kind of proven that when, when studios spend money on TV advertising, the more they spend on TV in display advertising, uh, the higher the box office return is so uh if, if you're just going to spend on one night and one night only the the um the people will not know that it's coming out do you know what i mean like it, like it can spread virally i don't think viral can 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 do as well as the awareness of a big budget marketing campaign and um we do have to look at uh, why they did this in the first place. You know, this film was supposed to come out theatrically. Uh, you know, everybody got excited when this trailer premiered during the Super Bowl. But the fact of the matter is this was, you know, from every place we've heard, it was a troubled production. J.J. Abrams had to uh, producer J.J. Abrams had to come in and, you know, be hands on in the reshoots and the editing of this movie. And, you know, there's a reason why Paramount dump this movie to netflix you know this isn't uh some grand plan that they had i don't think this is because you know they they didn't want to invest in this theatrically so it was uh dumped in netflix's lap but brilliantly you know i'm sure this whole idea of you know running a a, a an advertisement and putting it online the same night might have been like from Bad Robot. Like that sounds like something, you know, in the line with the first trailer that they did for the first Cloverfield movie. Um, mm-hmm. But okay, anyways, uh, we we probably because shouldn't even have what we thought of this trailer because the movie's out, right? Right. Um, and the first reviews are online. So Ben, I was going to ask you. Uh, there's an early buzz article on the site. Uh, what is the reaction for this new Cloverfield? Um, so, uh, you know, I think largely negative is probably the fair characterization of it. Um, Chris Evangelista wrote a review of it that you can find that's up at SlashFilm.com right now. I'm not going to list any of his uh, critiques or, or um, quotes or anything like that because I think he's probably going to come on the podcast tomorrow and we might actually talk about the movie uh, as a whole then. But um, I'll read something from uh, David Ehrlich, this senior uh, film critic at fin- uh, at uh, IndieWire. And he said, The Cloverfield Paradox. At first, I couldn't tell if the movie felt like VOD because it was on Netflix or if it was on Netflix because it felt like VOD. That changed. Not only is this a terrible movie, it takes down one of the more mo- interesting modern franchises along with it. Um, and then some other people are saying that... If the Cloverfield Paradox were released in theaters, it would not have been screened for critics. No question. There's a reason this film was dumped. Um, That was from Eric Childress. Uh, Dave Gonzalez says, uh, oh, Cloverfield Paradox, you should have or you could have and should have been a VOD event horizon, too. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, I mean, there's some positive stuff out there. Um, People say uh, Devendra Hardwar, one of the co-hosts of the Slash Filmcast, says that... um, Cloverfield Paradox definitely could have used a ton of script polishing and editing, but it's still compelling B-grade sci-fi for me. It likely would have died in theaters, and it certainly helps that Netflix, uh, that there aren't any early reviews. So I think what you're saying from a business perspective is dead on, Peter. It really is like a, a total best of both worlds scenario for both Paramount, who doesn't want to deal with uh, what appears to be a, a lackluster movie um, going through the entire song of dance and, and uh, you know, song and dance and spending all of that money on marketing and all of that stuff. And then actually putting this out and having it potentially receive these kinds of reviews. But then Netflix also gets the windfall of 
the initial excitement of being, you know, everybody uh, being able to watch this movie on the same playing field. Last night, it felt like a, one of the the rare times that there is like a, a true cultural event in uh, in American pop culture where like everybody um, is on exactly a level playing field that nobody had seen it early. Nobody knew it was coming um, and everyone could just like tune in and watch this thing and talk about it at the same time, which is like. You know, I think the most recent thing that that sort of uh, had people was that that made people be able to do that was Twin Peaks: The Return last year, um, because none of those episodes aired for press beforehand. The press had to watch those episodes live on Showtime, just like the the regular fans do. So. Um, this is a, an extreme rare, an extremely rare thing in movies. Uh, I don't think it's ever happened before, but um, and it seems like, you know, even if the movie is not great, it seems like it was a, a really smart business decision for them to do it this way. Yeah, I, I can't imagine how many subscribers Netflix got last night, you know, people watching the Super Bowl and wanting to see that third Cloverfield movie because that trailer was insane. Um, I, I know Ben, you saw it. We're not, uh, you know, we, we will save your reaction for tomorrow when we, yeah, I think we, that's probably we bring on Chris and, uh, maybe I will have seen the film by then. Uh, Brad, are you planning on checking this out at all? I'm going to try and watch it tonight. Uh, I would like to be able to see it before any more, uh, details get on it, get out on the internet about it. Um, I, I can already tell that like there's general disappointment among most people who have seen it so far. But I'm hoping to maybe just uh, enjoy it and, you know, just check out for a bit and watch a movie. I do want to uh, promote really quickly, Peter. Um, I worked pretty hard on uh, this article called How the Cloverfield Paradox Connects with the Other Cloverfield Movies. And I, I tracked down pretty much every connection you can imagine between all of these films and, and compiled them all into one article. So if you've seen the movie or if you're interested in uh, in how all these Cloverfield films relate to each other, definitely check that out. Yeah, we could talk more in depth about that uh, in spoiler territory tomorrow. Uh, we will get everybody on the site that has seen this movie, and we'll have a discussion about the Cloverfield Paradox. But I know this this uh, supersized episode of Slash Film Daily has already gone over the running time. So I'm going to leave you guys here. Uh, you, you can uh, obviously subscribe to Slash Film Daily on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, all the popular podcast apps. Please send us an email at peter at slashfilm.com. And please go rate and review us on iTunes. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>